You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. We are in the middle of a series called Powerful, and last week I started this journey with spiritual gifts, and I wanted to kind of give you uh, just someone who has guided me in this process, um, in my journey of uncovering the power of the Holy Spirit, because the beautiful thing about the power of the Holy Spirit is it's not that the Holy Spirit is not in us, it's just that we are not aware of the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us. And I think sometimes it's non-awareness, and I think sometimes we're freaked out and we're worried. Like, if I give my life to Christ, and if I become submissive to the power of the Holy Spirit, then I automatically get my own TV show on the Bible Network, and I get to run around and wave my coat at people, and they fall down. That's not the progression. That's not how God works. And kind of who's been helpful for me in this journey is a guy named Terry Virgo. And this is the book. Look at this, guys. You ready? Here's the front. Here's the side profile. Look at that. Like, I have read tweet threads longer than this. You have read threads longer than this book. And so if you need a guide to help you in the power of the Holy Spirit and the journey of the Holy Spirit, Terry Virgo, he's from the UK. He's got a cool accent, which automatically you're like, I'd rather listen to him than you. He's also seasoned in the Spirit. Through his ministry, he's planted probably over 1,500 churches worldwide. And the reason you probably have never heard of him is because he's charismatic. And in the United States, we are afraid of the gifts of the Spirit sometimes. So this is him. Um, I highly encourage you to check it out. He has an amazing book on grace, and it is amazing. Um, I just, not only is grace amazing, but the book is amazing on grace. So check that out. Um, but like I said, we're talking about spiritual gifts in my heart today is I'm actually going to dive into half of the gift list, listed in the New Testament. But my heart is, is that you would become aware. And here's what I confused awareness with early on in my walk. It's like, if I know of these things, then I know the information and therefore I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. My heart for you today is that you would become aware of how God has wired you and how he is already working in you and how you might have confused that moment in the power of the Holy Spirit with food poisoning. Or you might have confused that moment in the power of the Holy Spirit with that's not of God and I don't know where that came from. And you dismissed it. And so my heart is that when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, I am writing you to inform you so that you might be aware of the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. And not only are you aware of the power of the Holy Spirit, you're aware of the gifting of God that is in you. And last week we talked about that by grace, through faith, God has given each one of you a gift. And not only has he given each one of you a gift, he has given each one of you a gift for everyone. And so the beautiful thing about the gifting of the Holy Spirit is that God uses you in the life of the church and the life of another. I mean, how cool is that? Like, if you've never been able to help someone, like, in any way, shape, or form, there's this joy that you get. Like, when you read the Gospels and Jesus sends out the disciples and they come back, they had walked in the power of the Holy Spirit in a mighty way, and therefore they were filled with joy. And I'm convinced that the joylessness that some of us are experiencing 
in our walk with Christ is because we're not allowing ourselves to walk in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we come to Christianity and we say, is this all that it is? God takes my money. The pastor asks me to serve in kids. And then we all sit in this space the same direction and listen to this guy talk and he's long-winded. Like if, if you are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, that is what Christianity will be. But if you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will uncover things about yourself, things about your soul, and things about the church and the power and the working of God that you've never uncovered before. And these are the things that lead to the abundance that God has for you. He says in John 10, 10, I have come so that you have life and life to the full. Some of us are like, okay, when does the fullness kick in? And Jesus is like, hey, the fullness kicked in when you said yes to me. When you fully gave your life to me, I fully gave you my power and my spirit. How amazing is that? And you're saying, hey, I don't know about that. You don't know my background. And God's like, yes, I do. I know exactly your background. I probably know more about your background than you know about your background. And still I extend the power of the Holy Spirit to you. Not because of you, but because of his great love, right? And we just think about that. His love never fails, and therefore his spirit never fails in and through you. You might not be aware of it, but it is there, and it is powerful, and it is at work in you. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12. I'm gonna, we're going to read the whole deal. I'm going to talk about it half this week. So if you're like, I've got lunch plans, he's talking about all this. Don't stress. Don't worry. I promise we'll be okay. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, everyone, it is the same God at work. Differing gifts, services, working, but it is all God. Now to each one of them, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers. How do I get that one, Jesus? That'd be cool. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of the tongues. All these are work from one and the same spirit. and He distributes to each one of them just as he determines. And so kind of how the spiritual gifts work is that there are there's kind of two big categories. And today I want to talk about revelatory gifts. I want to talk about revelatory gifts. And these are revelatory displays of God making known what is unknown. And so God takes what is unknown and he adds a little bit of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart and in your soul. I don't know why that keeps happening. I promise I'm on you. He makes these things known to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he brings them out into the visible. So these are revelatory. They're making the unknown known. And he's using us to do that. So one of the first ways that God does that in and through his people is prophecy. So what is prophecy? Prophecy is timely information revealed from God to an individual for a particular person or a particular people group addressing a particular instance or circumstance. 
So God makes something known to you that is meant for another or meant for a group of people that is for that particular person or people group that is going to make something known situationally or circumstantially. And I think a lot of times we're scared of prophecy because we're like, okay, like this is like when you find out your death date, like if you do those things online, you're like, this is cool, you can find you in during your birthday and then like what your color is and then your favorite like Twilight character and then they tell you your death date and you're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't want to know. It's not like that. First Corinthians 14, three says that when someone prophesies, he speaks encouraging words that build them up and bring them comfort. And so the beautiful thing about that is when you put your guards down, God wants to encourage you, build you up and bring you comfort in a certain situation. And he's going to use someone to do that or he's going to use you to do that to someone else. And so what happens is, is sometimes these things are communicated, but we have to hold them loosely. And here's what we have to hold loosely. We have to hold what loosely? We have to hold when loosely. And we have to hold how loosely. What meaning? Someday when someone might come to you and, you, and they might say, hey, I believe God's about to gift you with a relationship. And finally, you're dancing in church because God has heard your cries and Brad and or Chad are on the way. And you're like, I knew this was the day. I knew God heard my cry and my prayers. And then come to find out God brings you your best friend for life and it was not Brad or Chad. And God brings this relationship and it's a deep relationship. And sometimes you can go discouraged and go, like, I, I thought this was it. And God's like, hey, I'm, I'm bringing you a companion for the journey. So we have to keep what loose. We also have to keep wind loose. God tells you you're about to get this job in that city, and my inclination is I quit everything. I quit breathing. I quit my job. I quit living. I, I quit, quit all the things, and I just jump. And God's like, hey, well, actually, that job's going to be a six-year process. My call to ministry, it was when I was 18, and it took until I was 31 to get there. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm glad I didn't drop out of school and like live on the like streets or something. That, that would have been a journey. And sometimes we have to hold loosely when those things are going to happen. And we have to hold how loosely. How are these things going to happen in our lives? An example of prophecy comes in John 1 when Jesus is talking to Peter. He calls Peter the rock. And so when you're reading scripture, you're like, oh, I know what that means. That means hard-headed. That means stubborn. That means like he's difficult. That means that you should just leave him behind because he is just messing this thing up and come to find out over time that the same one who's hard-headed, stubborn, and difficult is the one that God uses as one of the foundational pieces of the church. And so the same guy who ran away is actually the same guy who stepped up first to speak for God. So we have to wait for these things to come to fruition. So when God is using this, he's using it for a group of people. He is using it for an individual. And these are the things that we've got to consider. But when God uses it for the church, one of the things that the scriptures talk about is that you have this thing that God's laid on your heart and you bring it to the leadership and the leadership decides if those things should be shared in this moment. It can be a really beautiful thing. But here's the deal. If there is prophecy all the time everywhere, then prophecy itself loses its and so a lot of times people come in and they're like, I got the word, I got the word, I got the word. And I was like, oh yeah, you got the 
were five minutes ago, and five minutes before that, and five minutes before that, and five minutes before that. If prophecy is the weighty thing that God gives and communicates to his kids, it is one of those things that happens in spurts and moments that is for the building and edifying of the church. And what I found is that you've got to capture those things, and then you read those things five years from now when you're waiting for God to do those things. I went to a small service on the east side with a church brother Dallas preached, and there was a word that was spoken over. Nobody knew me in that room. We just moved here, and there was a word that was spoken over me in that moment. 2015, I wrote that thing down, and I read it every year. And that's when prophecy gets its weight. So how has God been speaking to you? Do you take the time to hear from God? Here's the crazy thing is I think a lot of times we're so eager to hear from God for ourselves, but do you take the time to hear from God for others? I mean, how amazing would that be if God used you in this way for his good? And so we move from prophecy to words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. This is guidance by the Spirit to know what to say and do in very hard moments or how to make hard decisions in difficult moments. So this is what you this is how God wires you to know what to say and do in very hard moments. So kind of what I'm saying here is these are the moments where something is happening and you can't say, hold up a second, I need to go spend time with God. I gotta pull up my Bible out and then I need 30 minutes to journal about it and then I've got to talk about it and then I've got to take an Insta poll and then I gotta see how all of Instagram reacts. I, I need to know my followers gotta speak, they gotta tell me what I gotta do, and then I gotta be able to do it. And then once I do that and I talk to my mom, I can come back and I can tell you what I'm thinking. No, these are not those moments. And so Jesus, he has this moment where he's coaching his disciples through persecution. And that, that's not the moment where you say, hey, let me go walk on the beach and I'll come back and let you know what I believe. It's in that moment you have to know what to say. And so Jesus says, hey, in that moment you need to be confident because the spirit of wisdom is going to access your heart. And in that moment, he's going to reveal to you what you were to say to them. And so when you read scriptures, there's these moments where people are coming under intense persecution say, hey, don't you say the name of Jesus. And do it. And that's the wise thing. There's another moment where uh, Jesus is living his life and the Pharisees are always trying to corner him. They're always trying to ask him questions. They're always trying to like make him say the wrong things. And they're so like, Jesus, hey, Matthew 25, 22, talk to me about taxes. What are your thoughts on taxes? Don't pay them, right? Am I right? Hashtag no taxes forever. Like, move to Florida. Like, what, what do we do, Jesus? Tell us. There's no income tax in Florida. Should we just move there? And Jesus looks at me and says, Hey, did you know you need to give to Caesar what is Caesar's? And you need to give to God what is God is. These moments where you know in the moment what to say. And especially in this day and age, we need to really ask God's Spirit to guide us when it comes to wisdom. What is wise in your life? What is wise for the moment when you're at work? This is the most beautiful thing. Like your boss asked you to do something and you realize that it's going to violate your character. Like you can't go back and just say, hey, I got five days. Let me, let me think about it. Like you have to be in that moment. Like, hey, I need to be able to answer this question. Daniel did this so well. The king would say, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to worship me. I need you to do that. And Daniel would pause and then he would say something and he would do it in wisdom and he would trust God with the consequences. And so for you and I, this is the spirit of wisdom to know what to do and say in very difficult situations. So that's 
the uh, spirit of wisdom. This is the word of knowledge. And here's, let me say one more thing before I move on, because I believe this is very important for our day. Sometimes wisdom is not saying anything at all. Like, I think sometimes we're like, I gotta say something about everything. It's like, lacrosse was on last night, and I saw this guy do one thing, I've never put a day of the game of lacrosse in my life. I gotta speak, I've gotta say something. I gotta talk about how lacrosse is bad for the environment, and no, 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 just let it go. Frozen, let it go, let it go. Like Elsa, in your spirit of wisdom, like let it go, good morning. Sometimes the spirit of wisdom is not saying anything. All right, so then we move to the word of knowledge. So how is knowledge different from wisdom? So if wisdom is making known a decision or a direction in the moment, in a very hard moment, knowledge is making known a key detail for that moment. And here's what I mean by that is that God is going to make known something in your spirit that is very key that you should not know, but you do know. A great example of this is Jesus with the woman at the well in John 4. He told her, go call your husband and come back. And then she says, I have no husband. Then Jesus says to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man that you are with now is not your husband. And then she just says what you have said is quite true. And so in that moment, Jesus is aware of a detail that he shouldn't know. And here's the thing you have to know about Jesus is Jesus is coming fully as God, but he is walking fully in the power of the Holy Spirit to display and show us a spirit-filled life so that we will know how to walk as Jesus did. So Jesus, fully God, still thought it was very important to depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit, and he did this in this moment. But here's the most beautiful thing about this moment. If it were me, I'd be scared. I'd be like, oh, you don't need to know about everything in my life. No, 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 you don't. No, 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 don't you. Stop talking. Like, you don't need to know everything. But what happens to this woman is this very profound is that Jesus told her a key detail about her life that led to a key moment of freedom for her life. Like she leaves that place and she says, go see the man who told me everything about my life. And so there are these moments where this can be very helpful. Another example of this is in Acts 5 and Ananias and Sapphira. They're part of the church. They sell a piece of land. And they make it seem like they're giving all of the proceeds to the church, but they actually lie about what they're giving. And in that moment, Peter says, hey, I need you to know that the thing that you have told is not true. And then in that moment, there is this fear that comes upon the church. And I don't understand this moment, but they, they end up dying in that moment. And the craziest part about the story is means they ask the youth group to take the bodies out and bury them. Can you imagine being part of that youth ministry? Like, hey, young guys. I've got a fun task for you. But it's these moments where God is making known details that you should have no idea knowing. Here's how this is really helpful. Is if you are talking with someone in a counseling moment and you feel like they're not sharing everything that they need to be sharing. And it can be simple as something as saying like, hey, I, just, I feel like you're not telling me everything. I feel, I feel like there's more here. I feel like there, there's more that we need to uncover that God wants to bring healing to. If you're at a job and you had a job and you're trying to decide if you're going to make this business decision and you feel like this person is not shooting you straight, 
like, I feel like there's something you're hiding. I feel like there's a key detail you're not telling me. I'm gonna go business here real quick. I feel like the P&L is not aligning up. I feel like there's just something off. I feel like you're fabricating the numbers. It is a very powerful thing. Here's the people think about power of the Spirit is that it is for the common good of the church, but God wants it to leak into the streets of this world. And so when you walk in these moments, it is God not only revealing himself to you, but revealing himself to others, especially outside of the church. So wisdom is saying, all right, this is a hard decision. This is a hard moment. God, show me what to say. God, show me what to do. Knowledge is God revealing in detail about a certain situation that he wants to be brought to the light. And here's the beautiful thing about that is when he brings things to the light, good things happen in the light. So when it comes to your life, you get these moments where you're like, I feel like God is, has told me this about their life and they haven't shared it. Like these are very powerful moments that you have with people. And here's the beautiful thing about that is it's not that you're telling them their baggage, it's that you are declaring over their life that God sees you, he values you, and he loves you. Like that woman at the well, like, I need you to know that we don't have to make this a sixth husband. Like God sees you, he loves you, he values you, and he wants you to know that your life can be different. That is what wisdom and knowledge do in those moments. God revealing himself to his people. So does God give you wisdom for decisions? Does God give you wisdom to know what to say? Like I'm telling you, like a lot of times leadership is just from your sanctified gut. Like, man, I feel like this is the direction that God wants us to go. Knowledge. Like, man, I just feel like this needs to be brought out in the light So we move from wisdom and then we move from knowledge into vision. Vision. Over the years, there have been so many amazing things that have come from the business world that the church has been able to use. I love the value of leadership training. I love the value of a P&L statement. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. I love the value of being able to know how to pay taxes because I don't like jail. Those are very amazing things. I, I like being able to use money and the things of this world to advance his kingdom. There are so many amazing things that have come from the business world that the church has been able to benefit off of and use that God is using in his wisdom. And then there are some things that have come from the business world and they have been very detrimental to the church. One of those things is the definition of vision. Normally what happens is you have a spirit-filled leader or a leader of an organization or a leader of a church, and you say that person has so much vision. And what they mean by that is that this person has the ability to see the steps that need to be taken in order to experience or achieve these things in three, five, and ten years. And so what happens in the church is that leads to an unholy ambition. And that leads to man-made goals and man-driven organizations that do not advance the kingdom, but in fact, advance a brand. What happens when you think about vision biblically is that God gives some people a picture or an image in a moment for the communication to others or the church as a whole. A great example of this is John 
in the in Revelation. So John, John in Revelation one, he says, "On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet." So obviously, it gets his attention. He's like, "Is that Louis Armstrong or is that God?" And then he said, "Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches." So in that moment, God gives John a vision, and then those letters become some of the most powerful letters. To the church for the future. Anybody ever heard of the term lukewarm? You need a hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, and that is not good in the kingdom. That comes from this vision moment. And so God, if we allow him, will give us pictures or images or even sometimes play out this instance in our imagination. And that is meant for the kingdom. One of the things that happens to me often is that especially when I felt like God called me to Bright City and oftentimes I've been in moments of worship or in moments of prayer, God will give me a picture of a map. And not only will he give me a picture of a map, but there'll be dots on that map that are meant to be churches. And then it'll be mostly Central America and South America up until this point. Who knows what God will do? How I receive that is I receive it spiritually, but I also receive it strategically. I said, God, if this is your will, there is what I want to do. And so I don't know about you, but I buy domains. When God speaks, I buy domains. Some people, you know, journal about it, I buy domains. And so I bought CD.com, brilliant day. And I'm like, all right, Lord, let it be. Spanish speaking, bright city. And then I brought Sidaji, Brilinchi, which is Portuguese for bright city. As God has given me a vision. I don't know if it will happen. I don't know when it will happen. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to make that happen. But how I respond is strategically. And I think sometimes people respond strategically first and then call it spiritual. But with vision, it's spirit first, then strategy. And so if God has given you a vision of something in your life, have you been able to capture that? Maybe it's like a ministry. Maybe it's you standing somewhere. Maybe it's you doing something. Maybe it's someone in your life. And you're like, man, I don't know this is crazy, but I saw you doing this. This happened to us once. We had a friend that was going to Boston, and they were doing their thing in Boston. While they were in Boston, they said that they kept seeing us in Seattle. And which I was like, you need to make up your mind. If you were in Boston, and you said Seattle, and like one is snow and one is rain. Like you, this needs to be of God, and I can't help you in the circumstances. This is not of God. Well, that led us to start praying about whether or not we were supposed to move to Seattle. And then we had a prophetic word spoken over it. said, hey, I believe that God wants you to know you're supposed to leave mother and father and move west. And so it's the combination of those things that God speaks through people differently that can be a very pivotal, powerful thing for your life. And so when it comes to your life, do you have these moments of worship where God allows you to see things? And you're like, oh, that's weird. Why? I'm supposed to be thinking about Jesus right now. Why, why am I picturing my thousands coming to know him? Or like, oh, I'm supposed to be worshiping right now. Why, why am I like, seeing people feed the homeless? Like, oh, I can't get distracted from God. And God's like, hello, hello, that's me. I'm giving you that vision. I'm giving you that image. I'm giving you that thing. And you should capture it. You should write it down. You should tell someone, hello. How has God wired you in that way? Some of you are like, oh, I'm just a visual person. Maybe you're gifted with a 
power of the Holy Spirit to see visions. And so then we move from visions to dreams. If visions come while we're awake, dreams, here you go, this is really powerful. Are you ready? Dreams come while you're asleep. Write that down. Tweet that. Make sure you tag me, though. So you've got the visions that happen. Y'all are like, is he serious? No. People go, why are you going to the church? No. Visions happen while we're awake, while we're aware, while we're in a moment of worship. Our eyes are closed. While we're spending time with God, we have our eyes closed. And God allows us to see something. Dreams happen while we're asleep. And so when you read scripture, you'll see a lot about how dreams happen. Sometimes it can be you and you know exactly what God's speaking to you in this moment. Uh, in 2020, we were somewhere and I had a dream about the church. And then there was this key moment in that dream where I saw the pastor and the pastor was a carpenter. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? Like Jesus was a carpenter. All this thing. Well, as I prayed, I just felt like God gave me the interpretation for that moment. And so there, there are things that you will see in your dreams and we have to be able to capture those things you write those things down. And sometimes God will give you the interpretation. But here's the other way that God works when it comes to dreams. And sometimes he gives you the dream, but not the interpretation. So therefore, you're like, man, I've, I've got to stop drinking that glass of wine before I go to sleep because I'm seeing things in my dreams. And you don't share the dream with someone. And actually, it's God's to you in your dream. But here's the cool thing is when you share that with someone else, then you get to receive the interpretation of that dream. And you're like, hey, that's scary. I know. Hashtag vulnerability. Hashtag dependency. That's just how God works. He puts us all together in a community and he's like, hey, I want you to be vulnerable with each other and I want you to be dependent on each other. And that is the church. I'm sorry if that burst your bubble. So dreams. In the, in the Bible, Joseph in the Old Testament is one of the most uh, quintessential examples for this. God gives Joseph dreams. They were good for him. They were good for his family. And they were good for others. And here's the coolest part about Joseph's dreams. is I think sometimes we have dreams and we feel like we're going to mess it up. Like so much happened in Joseph's life that should have messed up every dream he had. And it gets to Genesis 50 verse 20. He says, you know what? God is good because whatever they intended for my arm, God saw it through. And so if you have a dream and you're like, I don't want to break the dream, don't worry, you can't break the dream, I promise you. Joseph, in the New Testament, I don't know if that's a thing, like if you want your kid to be a dreamer named Joseph, I don't know if that's how it works, but Joseph in the New Testament, Jesus' dad, has a dream not to divorce and leave Mary. God comes to him in a dream, he's like, hey, don't you go anywhere. Like, there is something greater happening here. Then Joseph has another dream that says, hey, I need you to go somewhere else because something not good is about to happen. Herod's about to hunt down and try to kill every kid. And so he tells Joseph to flee to Egypt. And so Joseph flees to Egypt. Here's the cool thing about Joseph fleeing to Egypt is that when Joseph flees to Egypt, he doesn't know this, but he's fulfilling scripture. It's like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. So why did you move to Egypt? Was it a job? I didn't know I was fulfilling scripture, you know. Just all in a day's work. I didn't even know that. He was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy by receiving this dream and moving. And then he's in Egypt, and God's like, hey, it's time to come back. And he comes back and moves his family back to Galilee, where Jesus begins his ministry. Dreams are not nothing. 
Dreams are not something that you should throw away. Dreams are very, very, very important. So how has God gifted you this way? Here's the beautiful thing about the power of the Holy Spirit is sometimes we think spiritual gifts means that I only operate in this, but in actuality it means that sometimes you get the word of knowledge, and sometimes you get the word of wisdom, and sometimes you get the dream. What I find is that it's a toolbox that God's Spirit has equipped you with so that you can journey through life. Has God gifted you with those moments and dreams? And what are you doing about it? Are you aware about it? What if God is giving you dreams for another person and you're not capturing those things and you're not sharing them to those people and yet they're missing out on that moment? Here's the coolest part too is that when you have a dream and you share it with someone and they're able to interpret that dream for you, how cool is that for both of you? It's like you both show up and you got free drinks at the restaurant. Like you, you did both was good for you. Like God did something in that moment. So then we move from dreams and then we move to discerning the spirits. Usually when a pastor gets to this moment, he says that last but not least. I need you to hear me in this moment. Last but not least, especially for today. Does everyone hear that? Yeah. Last but not least, this is actually one of the most important ones that I want to talk to you about today. And this is the gift of discerning the spirits. Never before has it been so important that you are able to see what God is doing in this world and what Satan is doing in this world. And so when you talk about the gifts of discerning the spirits, it's the ability to evaluate it's the ability to identify, and it's the ability to distinguish between powers of darkness and powers of God. And here's what happens is God makes known what is demonically inspired in and through people, in and through information, and in and through systems, in and through people, in and through information, and in and through systems. This is God screaming from the heavenlies, that's not me. And so what I find is that here is the hard part about this moment, is that Satan is so good in taking what is truth and manipulating it, and taking what is actually good and manipulating it. And you're like, hey, tell me more. I know you're, I know you're like, tell me more. In the garden, God gives Adam and Eve freedom. Has anybody ever heard that term? Freedom. And what the enemy does is he takes the good freedom that God gives and he uses it for their downfall. And you're like, well, okay, hold on, hold on. How does he use truth? In the temptation story with Jesus, Satan shows up and he starts talking scripture. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How does Satan know scripture? Satan knows scripture better than us, unfortunately. That's why it's so important to be in your Bible. And so Satan goes up and he talks to Jesus. This is Jesus. And he's like, hey, didn't God say that he was going to do this? And he starts reciting scripture. And so Satan is going to even use the things that might seem true for his advancement in this world. 
And here's the crazy thing about that moment when it came to Jesus and the temptation story. Is that Jesus is there and Satan actually promises something that God promised him. He says, hey, do you want all these kingdoms? And you see all this? All this could be yours right now if you worship me. And so what happens is he's trying to convince Jesus to bypass the methods of the kingdom and use a method of this world to advance his own kingdom. And so how I interpret, to interpret that in this moment is I think sometimes Christians are using the things of this world and slapping a Christian Jesus fish on the back of their car and calling it God. The way that God wanted to work in that moment was usually the harder way, and that was through the cross. The way that God wanted to work in that moment was usually was a self-sacrificing way through the cross. So how do I know how to discern the spirits of God? Here's the cool part. Does it reek of love? I mean, it's just like too much love. Like, like rom-com times 12, too much. Like, it's almost like Matthew McConaughey should be in it. Like, it reeks that bad of love. Like, does it reek of the love of God in that moment? Does it ooze love? And here's the thing about love is that Jesus defines love by self-sacrifice. He doesn't define love by some sort of platform or some sort of position, but the giving up of self. And so is that person or that institution self-sacrificial in nature? Here's the cool part about love is that love doesn't look the wrong way when it comes to sin. Love looks at sin and meets it with grace and forgiveness, right? That's what Jesus did. He said, I see that sin, but I meet it with grace and forgiveness. And so does, does it reek of love? Here's the other thing does it reek of. Does it reek of humility. I mean, just oozing of humility. Just the person leading it or the things that are said, they start to talk about and resemble the Beatitudes in this new kingdom. They start to see how the things of the kingdom will be established different in the world. They start to see how the low will be raised up, how those who are weak will be made strong. And then they see how the most powerful person, gifted spiritual person on this earth named Jesus walked this earth and he did it by washing people. So are the things you're following the most humble things? Do they just reek of humility? And then the last thing is, do they reek of unity? Do they reek of unity? Here's what Jesus does. He comes on this earth and he starts walking this earth and he's like, hey, will you come and follow me? He says, hey, will you come and follow me? He says, hey, will you come and follow me? He says, hey, will you come and follow me? By the time you get to the end of this group, it's a bunch of zealot politicians bunch of fishermen, a tax collector, and then someone, like it's just this diverse group of people. And then Jesus continues on and he's like, where are my ladies at? From the front to back. Let's get them, grab your girls and put them on a spaceship. Like that's Jesus. That was, that's Beyonce, right? But not, yeah, that, that was Jesus. Jesus did that way before Beyonce did that. Luke 8, if you don't believe me, he says, hey women, I see you. I see you, I think you're valuable, I think you're treasured, I think you're loved, I think you have a place in this kingdom, I think that you are going to be used by me, come on, let's go. And then he births his church, and what does he do? 
one of the first people that he shares the gospel with is somebody from Ethiopia. It's like, hey, you think this church is going to begin in America? Psych! I want you to take this back to Africa. And then you get the revelation, and he says, hey, I need you to know where this thing is going. This thing is going where every tribe, every chunk, every nation, all of us going to be praising me and worshiping me. And so are the things that you're believing, are the things that you're following, reeking of love, reeking of humility, and reeking of unity. Here's the hard part about discerning the spirits. Are you ready for this? It is far easier to slip into falsehoods than it is to make, remain strong in the truth. So it is a slippery slope to believing the lies, but it is so hard to stand in the truth. It is so hard. But here's the cool part of this. Out of all the gifts, here's the cool part. is that the New Testament is filled with his believers able to determine what is of them and what is not. Like every New Testament letter is like, hey, did you know? Be on your guard. Watch out. Watch out. Do this. Do that. Protect your mind. Renew your mind. Whatever's lovely. Whatever's pure. Think about these things. Be in the Word. Put on your armor. Like over and over and over again, God is warning these people that they can discern between the spirits. And so if you're in this moment, you're like, I, I just, I don't know if I can. Then make you a friend who you know can see Jesus face to face. Because that's how you're going to be able to discern the spirits. And then you come and you're like, hey, I heard this. Tell me about it. Talk to me about it. What does God say about this? What does his word say about this? What does his kingdom say about this? I think if you are not able to discern the spirits and discern the spirit, how are you going to be able to discern the spiritual gifts in your life? Discern the spirit. See Jesus. See his kingdom. So where do we go from here? I say these things so that you may be aware. My prayer is that you get a vision for your life and that life includes you walking in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. I'm closing the same way I did last week. Do you need to receive the Spirit? Do you need to be prayed over this morning? Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're running down. Maybe you just feel like you are exhausted. Do you need a filling of the Holy Spirit this morning? Maybe you're like, yeah, I, I feel like I have this gift. I feel like God continually gives me this gifting and I'm my prayer is that you would receive courage and confidence this morning to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, how do I know whether I'm ready to receive prayer? Like, how do I know if it's right in prayer to be prayed over? Here's the cool part about prayer. Is, is, is your body freaking out? Like, is your heart coming out of your chest? Like, do you feel warm all over? Are you like, man, they should turn the air up and you look around and every woman is covered in a sweater? Like you just feel like right now your heart is racing, your pulse is racing, your body is warm. It's God. It's God. So in the name of Jesus, receive prayer this morning. Receive the gifting of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not weird. It is wonderful. And here's what I know. The world doesn't need a church that looks cool and does all the right things and has the vain social media and does all the right things in their campaign 
marketing, and then the pastor rhymes everything, and there's some alliteration in there somewhere. The world needs the church to be on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you go to your work tomorrow, they need to see that there is something greater than the mundane, and that there's actually this thing called the miraculous. And God's going to use you. He's going to speak to you for another, and you're going to be able to lay hands on them. You're going to be able to pray for them. You're going to be able to instill wisdom to them. You're going to be able to say something to them that you shouldn't know. You're going to be able to encourage them, build them up, strengthen them. You're going to be able to give them the things that they need for that dream that they had last night. And they're freaking out. You're going to be able to say, hey, you know what? I don't know. That sounds weird that Jesus is the Messiah is Ronald McDonald. I mean, you just might want to pray about that. You just might want to step back and just say, like, hey, hold on a second. Just because they put McDonald's out of Russia doesn't mean it's a Christian agenda. Like, just hold on for I made that up. It's not a real thing. But people need to know what's true. And God has gifted you to do it. So in the name of Jesus, are you ready to be used by the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me pray for us. Father, we just received your spirit. We believe you to be true. God, we want to hear you this morning. And Father, I just pray that you would speak. I pray that you would move. I pray that you would fill. I pray that you would do what only you can do. Father, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.